Hi, I'm Dr. Barry Awe, and I study end-time prophecy from the Bible. And I like to share what I've found over the years of study and thousands of hours in His Word. This is an urgent message to the people that will be left behind very soon. The Bible is the Word of God. He promised it would be preserved on the earth and never be destroyed. The Word of God tells us exactly the times that everything in history will happen. There is no prehistoric document before the Bible. The first sentence of the Bible is, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So he had a plan for our salvation from the very beginning. And he has warned us as he told us he would, surely the Lord God will do no thing unless he tells his servants. He has told us of the end time generation and the time of his return, and it is upon us. You may be seeing me for the first time because somebody who cares about you, who is a Christian, has sent this video to you because you do not believe. Christ will return for his church and snatch us up to heaven. It's right in the word of God. And then the world will go through seven of the most horrible years, the most horrible in the history of mankind. And that includes more horrible than the great flood that destroyed the world. I know some of you may not believe this at all, but we have proof and we have timelines. We may be off a little bit on our timeline but we know we are at this end time because the Bible didn't end and then there's been a big gap of unknown time. The Bible has been tracking since the prophecies given all the way to our current world. The start of World War I, Hitler's rise, the Nuremberg trials, the building of the Dome of the Rock, all of the events in history were foretold to the day. In fact, the Nuremberg trials, the actual year of the Nuremberg trials, 1946, is written, encoded in Hebrew letters, which are also numbers, in the book of Esther. The book of Esther is about a queen who saves the Jewish people because a man rises up to exterminate all the Jews and he has 10 sons. In 1946, the year encoded in the story of Esther, Hitler had 10 henchmen that were hung. That story and these years that we are gonna go over are coded in the Bible. They were sealed up as it spoke of in the prophet of Daniel. It said, Daniel, here's the timeline but seal up the vision until the end generation. The end generation started when Israel came back to be a nation in 1948. We can track from Cyrus setting free Israel exactly the prophetic number of years to 1948. 80 years after Cyrus freed the Jews, Artaxerxes, King Artaxerxes, made a decree to restore Jerusalem. It was also prophesied 
that same number of years in 2028 that the Messiah would return on earth. That's after the tribulation, after the world is nearly completely destroyed. We, Jesus's children, the Christian church, his bride, his child, will come back with him riding on white horses, clothed in white, while Jesus riding on a great white horse clothed in a vesture dipped in blood, representing his own blood of atonement. We'll come back September 2028 at the Feast of Trumpets through the Day of Atonement. It is written specifically in the Bible, in the book of Revelation, the last book, when we will return. So we have calculations to the best of our knowledge, and we believe the rapture of the church is going to happen before the end of this summer. That's very, very near. The Lord gave us appointed times, Passover, the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Pentecost, and the Feast of Trumpets, Atonement, and Sukkot is known as Tabernacles. He said those were his appointed times. We are in the appointed time of Pentecost right now. It started on August 13th. We believe from scripture that it goes for two weeks. We are about to enter into the exact moment, can you see this? Where on the 9th and 10th of Av, Av is God's fifth month, he released a dove and a raven. That is a symbolic representation of the Holy Spirit and the spirit of Satan being released on that time in the year that the Bible points to as the year of the rapture. Will rapture happen that day? It's possible. That would equate to our current Gregorian calendar, August 18th and 19th. If you're watching this the day before, get on your knees if you haven't already. Call out to Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, and ask Him to save you. There's still moments left. We're going to go through this in a little more detail, but I want to show you something. Every single other religion has one thing in common. The Mormon, the Muslim, the Jehovah Witness, the uh, Catholic, the, the Buddhist, the uh, Shiva, the Satanists, believe it or not. Satan was very clever in that rather than create one religion, Satan worship, which you would think nobody in the world would do, but unfortunately, <laughs> unbelievably, uh, there's a gigantic portion of the population that is a satanic worshiping population. You know them. They're everybody in Hollywood and virtually and everybody in the music industry and in the professional sports and in the politics. Okay. These people have risen to power because Satan says, if you bow to me, I'll give you power. So you're going to be surprised when you find out, but these people have stopped hiding it. They've actually started to come out of the closet, so to speak, and, and openly worship him. Um, the Masonic 
church or masons, Freemasons, comes from the first rebellion against God that we will make our own materials. That is where the satanic church lies. And that involvement into the Christian church has been invasive like a plague, like a virus, if you will. And so many churches are hearing false information and many churches are being robbed of this information because if your church is owned by the Masons, then they prohibit teaching of end times and uh, teaching of the rapture. But I just want to show you this because I believe most of the world knows, whether they acknowledge him or not, that God the Father's name is Yahweh, also pronounced Yahweh, also pronounced Yahovah. That name is spelled yud Hey vav Hey. that's English letters. In Hebrew, it is read from right to left. So, in Hebrew, it would be yud Hey vav Hey. yud Hey vav Hey. written that way. Hebrew is a language where the letters are also pictures, ancient pictures, and numbers. So it's a very rich language. It's an alpha numeric language. There's only one other like it, and that is Greek. And the Holy Bible was written in Hebrew in the Old Testament and Greek for the New Testament. But the name of God the Father is Yud, which is a hand from the ancient pictures. We see the meaning. Yud, which is a hand. Hey, which is a man that looks like a spirit, it represents the spirit of God. Vav, which is a nail, and hey, the spirit of God. So the meaning of those is the hand, behold, grace. Nail, behold, grace. So when you put the name of God, Yehovah, the ones that you have said, that you have, have seen, that you've made fun of, Yahweh, means hand of grace behold nailed in grace behold so jesus uh and hold on jesus when he hung on the cross pontius pilate put a sign over the top of his head that said yeshua hanazarene vemelech yehudam yehudam which meant yeshua jesus of nazareth the king, Vamelech, is the king of the Jews. Hehudam. When they hung up that sign, the Jewish Pharisees and Sadducees went nuts and started screaming and pointing and demanding that sign be taken down. Because in Hebrew, it is known that the first letter of a word in a sentence also carries a meaning. So above Jesus Christ, who had been crowned with a thorny crown, said, Yud, Hey, Vav, Hey, Hand of grace, behold, nailed in grace, behold. So the Jews went nuts. They said, take it down, take it down, we demand it. And Pilate said, no. What is written is written, and it'll stay. Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. So, 
God himself says, I am hand of grace, behold, nailed in grace, behold. Every other religion has one thing in common. They all say Jesus is not God. I believe all of them acknowledge Jesus. They just take him out of his rightful place. Even the Catholic Church, which means one church, who's trying to unite all the churches under coexist. They say that Jesus is below Mary, the Virgin Mary. And they make the leader of the Catholic Church be called Father. Right in the Bible, it says, Call no man Father upon the earth, for one is your Father in heaven. They also make the Pope be God on earth. In their own language, they say he is the representative of God on earth, and he forgives sins. Remember what they went nuts about Jesus doing? He forgave sins. Only God can forgive sins. So even in what the world views as a Christian church, the Catholic Church run by the Pope, you see a false representation of Messiah. So most people in that church will not be saved because they don't know the truth. When we started our channel, we started to show and teach that God is three in one. We are created in His image a body, soul, and spirit. So God is a body, soul, and spirit. In the Word of God, it says that God the Father is a spirit and must be worshiped spiritually. Jesus Christ is the flesh the body of the Trinity of God. And then his Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh, is his spirit. So, when Jesus was on earth, and is written in the book of John, he says, I and the Father are one. When you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So when Jesus died, willingly on the cross, as prophesied, he'd be born of a virgin, live a sinless life, and willingly give up his life on the cross, spilling every drop of his blood. He was scourged. You all might have seen the movie uh, produced by Mel Gibson, The Passion of the Christ. He was torn apart, and even in that movie, being very graphic, was still not doing justice to what he went through. Every drop of his blood spilt out. And at the end, he was pierced in the side by one of the Roman soldiers and blood and water comes out, which is what happens at the very end. There was a great earthquake when he gave up his ghost. No one took his life, he gave it up, and he discharged his spirit when he had taken enough punishment to fulfill pain for the sins of the entire world. And all of his blood ran down that cross, and with that great earthquake, there was a crevice created that went down into a cave below Mount Golgotha where the Ark of the Covenant had been placed hundreds of years before. And the blood dripped on the mercy seat, wiping out the sins of the entire world. And he said, whoever will believe on me and trust in me, I will forgive and wipe away all your sins with my blood my perfect blood. It was his plan of salvation from the beginning.
And all we have to do is hear it. He said, you're saved by hearing and believing. And if you are left behind, it was because you heard and you rejected it. You didn't believe this story. You didn't understand it. And possibly you were robbed of ever hearing it in a fashion that you could get a chance, but you have that chance now. This urgent message is don't give up. The Bible says that after we are taken out of the way, the, whole, the Holy Spirit will leave and everybody that's in the church has the Holy Spirit in them. And so when God calls, we will all instantly disappear. But Satan has had a big plan. He has been working on brainwashing the world that aliens are coming, that aliens are here. You've seen it on the news. Yes, there are aliens. You've seen it in every movie. And he's going to rise up in the form of or in association with these quote-unquote aliens. These aliens, these extraterrestrials are written in the Bible. They're the fallen angels. When Satan rebelled against God and he took a third of the angels with him, they were cast to earth and they were changed from their beautiful angelic being into a demonic, hateful looking being. They look like all the movies versions of aliens with the big head and the greasy skin and the giant black eyes and some of them are monsters like in the movies um, predator and and um alien with uh you know from the movie aliens where the guy you know the mouth comes out and eats your brains and stuff like that and and the movie um the avengers with all those creatures and Venom from the Spider-Man where it could just shapeshift and eat people. The Bible says they do eat people and they drink blood. And those that worship them have started drinking blood because it gives them power and restores their youth. And they have tried to merge with artificial intelligence and with mechanics and computers so that they become mixed. All of this was prophesied in the Bible. And he said at the end times, they will introduce a mark to which if you do not take that mark, which comes with worshiping of the person they will present as God, many false Christs will come. Many will come, but especially one will rise up to fix everything. And he will say that he is the Messiah. He is the Savior. He will say he is the Savior. And the aliens took us out of the way beamed the Christians out of the way because we wouldn't coexist with all the other religions. Well, like I just explained, all the other religions are Satan's religion. So yes, they play well together. Here's the message again. Don't fall for it. We will be back in exactly seven years. The Great Tribulation will start in October and it'll go for I don't really have it written here, but it'll go for 2,520 days, which is seven prophetic years. We will return September of 2028. Hang on. It will be impossible to hang on. There will be death everywhere. Bodies will be stacked up. They already have 30,000 guillotines. They have concentration camps. They will come after you and force you to take this mark. And if you don't, you won't buy or sell, you'll be thrown in the prison and you will die there. But as soon as they can, they will start chopping off heads. My advice, get your head chopped off. My advice is 
Call on Jesus immediately and never shut up about it until they take you out. In the Bible, again, it's prophesied that many will come up into heaven during this seven-year tribulation period, and they will be the saints that gave up their life to get into heaven. You didn't have the chance or decision to accept Jesus Christ's death for your life, so during tribulation, you will have that chance. But if you do somehow hang on for that seven years, we are coming back. That's the good news. So uh, we're going to go through. We're going to go through exactly the timelines that the Bible prophesied and how they they go exactly to our current time. And like I said at the beginning, it's possible we're off a little bit, but. Everything points to the rapture of the church this year, 2021. There's a lot of information that points towards this summer of 2021. There's even more information that points towards this Pentecost, which happens during this month of August, which is right now. So we're looking immediately at this 9th and 10th of Av, when every terrible thing happened to the Jews. Their first temple was destroyed. Their second temple was destroyed. World War I started. World War II started. They were kicked out of England. They were kicked out of Spain. Hitler started the gas chambers and the final solution, all on the 9th and 10th of Av. That's coming up August 18th and 19th. We might pass by that. That might be a symbolic marker. But this Feast of Pentecost, we believe, goes into um, August 27th. I guess is, is, is the time. It's a 14-day period that we suspect. So we'll go over that more. I just wanted to give you that quick intro and warning, and um, I pray that you will listen. If we have helped just one more soul to hear this message and accept it and call on the name of Jesus Christ and be saved, that one eternal life is worth everything that we've worked for but I hope to reach thousands. Share this video if, uh, if you are one that is saved and on your way. Share this video with an unbeliever, purposely. And um, tell them just watch the first few minutes. Maybe I'll catch their attention. All right, we're gonna go to the next segment. All right, I got my partner, Mr. Bones. Mr. Bones, you're looking good. Oh, you know, Mr. Bones gotta be keeping it fresh. Yeah, you look really fresh. What's this say? Jesus. Don't be caught dead without him. Excellent. And you see mine is Jesus, the highway to heaven. So we are going to talk about the true Pentecost. Uh, we've been saying this actually for uh, a year and a half. Uh, and so this sign was made uh, last year sometime. Rapture at Pentecost. It's the same old song we keep singing. Uh, but there's been a lot of confusion because of these different calendars and uh, the changes that uh, Satan, again, was prophesied to do, that he would rise up and change the calendar and change the dates and introduce multiple confusions to take people away from God's calendar. God's calendar is written in the sun, moon, and stars where man can't monkey with it. So um, we are trying to understand what the Word of God says about his true Pentecost, and we think we got it. So, All right, good. All right, buddy. So what we're going to do is uh, focus in 
on the Pentecost for a minute, and then we're going to expand this timeline to bring us right to now. So, as you remember from our Moses prophecy, Noses, <laughs> that's Noah and Moses put together. Uh, from our Noses prophecy, Moses brought him out of Egypt on Passover, got to Mount Sinai to meet with God, and God descended to talk with them and introduce a marriage proposal in the third month, the 15th day of the third month. Then, 50 days later, because Israel rebelled, they said, ah, oh, stop talking. God's voice was so booming, it shook their bones. And they said, please have God stop talking. Have him just talk to you, Moses. And so God called Moses and some others back up the mountain. But isn't that just like how we are right now? Here's the word of God. And we say, ah, stop with all that Bible verse stuff. We can't hear it. You just tell this guy and have him distill it down for us. So we're, we're walking the exact same path that God predicted. So in these appointed times, they also represent appointed periods of the existence of us that Jesus came to pay the price. He created the world and all the people in it, and he came to pay for them and to bring them out of Egypt, which represents the world, and Babylon, which represents the world of idol worship and of man's worship, and then brought them. And he, this, the symbol of God descending and talking is like Jesus coming down for his ministry, his earthly ministry. And he talked and they rejected. We can't hear you. We don't believe you. So then Jesus went back up. And then on this mountain trip, which was 50 days after the third month, brings us to the start of it being the third day, third or fourth day of the fifth month of Av, which is the fifth month. So if Pentecost starts on the third or fourth day of this fifth month and goes for 14 days. So if we go 14 days from the third or fourth of Av, that brings us to the 17th or 18th of Av being the end. And if it's a seven day window, think about this. If Av 3 was the 50th day, the start of Pentecost, seven days from that brings us to the 9th and 10th of Av. That's a very interesting thing, right in the middle of that Feast of Weeks. And then seven days after that would be like the 17th and 18th of Av. Now, that translates to August 13th, August 18, 19, August 23, 24. So those are the dates we're looking at. But again, this mountain trip is a prophecy. And in this trip, God called Moses and 70 elders and Joshua up the mountain. They went up a certain amount. They ate and drank and saw God. They saw the feet of God clothed in, in uh, uh, clouds. And the, his, the area he was standing on was like a sea of, of sapphire, you know, and, and shining. And when extreme heat is applied to aluminum, it becomes sapphire. And there's a high aluminum count, content in Mount Sinai. And they have actually witnessed now, this is in Arabia, where, where they, they forbid anybody going, but it has leaked out that they saw sapphire on the top of Mount Sinai. How cool is that? They also know where the mountain of Ararat is, 
and there is petrified wood that has become like stone that is found in the top of the mountain of Ararat. But Moses and Joshua get called up further to speak with God. And then Moses by himself, so the 70 go up with those two, then those two go up a little further, and then finally Moses goes up to the very top. When the day of Pentecost comes, God tells Moses, you need to get down because the people have corrupted themselves. And a portion of Israel had demanded that the high priest Aaron make them a golden calf. And they started worshiping it. And at this point, Aaron makes a proclamation. They have this golden calf, but they also have the fateful Jewish nation. And Aaron makes a proclamation. Tomorrow is the feast unto Yahweh. Yahweh. So it was this true feast of Pentecost, which is associated with the feast of wine. We're going we're gonna to focus on that feast of wine a little bit today too. But when God comes down to rapture us, he will be God the Father and God the Son united. In this story, Moses, representing God the Father, comes down with Joshua representing God the Son. Moses and Joshua descend and they see the golden calf just like we see in the world today. That's a note for myself. Note to self. And they will smash the commandments on the golden calf and they will say, who's with us? Come up. And that's when the Levite priests, the keeper, keepers of God's word and the keepers of his way representing the Christian church right now, they will come up and the age of grace will be over and this age of new commandments will be on. And at that point, 3,000 died in the fifth month, somewhere between the third and the 17th or 18th day is when this happened. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, 120 were in the upper room and the Spirit came on them and they were able to speak different languages and 3,000 were saved. That's God's signal to tell us these are the same story. When that Spirit dropped on the early Jewish church that had been converted to Christian, they evangelized around the world. This same thing will happen. God the Father and God the Son will descend in a cloud and they will say, come up, who's with us? And we, the Spirit of God, living in every body, temple of God, the third temple could be removed and the Spirit of God will reunite with the Father and the Son and the Spirit and we'll be one, just like Jesus said. I pray, Father, that they will be one like we are one and one with us. So then we will be gone and then the world will face the tribulation. Okay? That story has not been fulfilled. I believe this story must be fulfilled before the tribulation story, which is the story of the Feast of Trumpets. Two days of blowing trumpets to alert everybody it's starting. And then they enter seven days of awe, in the which the books of life and death are opened. The books of life are those that have chosen God 
and chosen to obey God. The books of death are those that have chosen Satan. The books of in-between are those that have not chosen. So those seven days of awe that they've practiced for 5,000 years will turn into seven years of awe, and the same thing will happen. You will have a chance to be written in the book of life. You won't see heaven, but you will be saved. All that call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But not all who call upon the name of the Lord will see heaven. So the rapture is, was the last chance to see heaven. Then heaven's going to come down, and we are going to rule and reign with Jesus Christ on this earth. So this story that happens in the fifth month, we're not exactly sure which day of the fifth month. But we have the prophecy of Noah, which specifically highlights the day, the ninth and tenth. It says that the tops of the mountains were seen on the first day of the fourth month, and then 40 days later is when Noah released a dove and a raven. Now, the story goes like this. He releases the raven who runs to and fro through the earth. That's exactly like in the book of Job when God asked Satan, where you been? He said, I was running to and fro throughout the earth. So that was God's calling card that the raven is Satan. The raven never comes back to the ark. The dove, now think of this, the ark. We're, tell, we're telling people to get raptured, get on the ark, right? So the ark is God, or the ark is heaven. And it is God too, but it, the ark is heaven. The door is, there was a door opened in heaven. Noah, whose name means grace, <laughs> opens, opens up the door. He releases the Holy Spirit. You know, there's still a, a portion of the Holy Spirit everywhere, right? So he re releases the Holy Spirit from heaven to come down and collect the Holy Spirit on earth. And, and, and the dove found no rest for her foot. Grace, Holy Spirit of God had found no rest in this great tribulation. So it came right back and Noah reached his hand out of that door of heaven. Psalm 18 says, he sent from above, he took me. He drew me out of many waters. He delivered me and brought me into a large place. He, he pulled out his hand and grabbed the dove by the sole of her foot and brought her back in for seven. So this day has a lot of prophecy pointing to it as the actual rapture day. We have learned that sometimes, even though a day is really specific in the Bible, it's still a typology and it's not the literal day. But that story is, is obviously you can see it, it's a literal story of the rapture and the release of Satan on this earth. Will it happen exactly on the 9th and 10th of Av? It could. And you should be ready and you should be looking up. But if it passes, it doesn't mean this prophecy is wrong. It just means it was a typology. So our next big feast in the Hebrew knowledge is what's called Tuba Av. Tuba is, is, is the number 15. Every letter is a number. So it means the 15th of Av. The 15th of Av is the feast of wine where the virgins dressed in white dance in the wine vineyard and the Jewish men come and snatch themselves a bride. Wow, that sure sounds like rapture. I don't know about you, but that sounds like rapture to me. Now, we also believe from typology and, and truth in the Bible that that's a seven-day uh, feast. So that would be from the 15th through the 21st, possibly the 22nd day. That pattern fits exactly like the pattern of um, the first month with Nisan, with Passover. 
The first day marks the beginning of the year. The 10th day, they take a lamb. The 14th day, the lamb is slaughtered, crucified for Jesus. Then they enter into a feast from the 15th through the 21st. And then on the morrow after, the 22nd, they start a count. In the seventh month, we have the first and second day are the days of trumpets. And they made it two days, but they call it one long day because it's an alert and they want to make sure everybody has heard the news and got time to get ready to celebrate. We were all alerted four years ago by the Feast of Trumpets sign in the sky. Again, a Bible verse written in the sky that said, Behold, a woman clothed in the sun, the moon under her feet, in labor about to give birth. Jupiter had been bouncing back and forth in the womb of Virgo for nine and a half months and was delivered exactly on the Feast of Trumpets. So we've had one long watch representing that typology and we're about to enter into the seven days turned into seven years of tribulation. But again, the type, the first day, the 10th day, then the 15th through the 22nd. So in the fifth month, it's very likely we had a, something significant about the first day of Av and then the 10th day and then the 15th through the 22nd. So we have a lot to look at, but again, this story has not been fulfilled. There is a specific offering with the Feast of Weeks that was not performed at Shavuot. At Shavuot, the first wheat offering of the unripened wheat was offered when Jesus ascended on the 15th day of the third month to fulfill that same Moses trip when God descended and spoke. So Jesus fulfilled that first fruit of the wheat. But with that, there's also supposed to be an offering of two leaven loaves of bread and two lambs of the first year and a goat, kid goat of the first year. And then there's, those are supposed to be wave offerings. And the high priest is supposed to gather them and present them to the holy temple, God, the Father. And then there is some slaughtering of bulls and, and rams and, and other things. So that fits, again, perfect with a, with a rapture and tribulation uh, scenario. Uh, if we don't have a rapture scenario here, this will have to be fulfilled sometime in the middle of the tribulation. It's possible. So that, that's, that's the only way we can explain it. But that, that's where we are right now, and that's why this is an urgent message. So now, let's go to the timeline. Okay, so now we're going to go through this timeline, but before we get started, I want to give some thanks and credit to some men that went before me that have contributed to our understanding of these timelines. So if we go over here, thanks to... The early are the people that are already up there in heaven, and the alive and remaining are these. So uh, the early Dan Matson, who uh, did most of the work on this part of this chart, and then J.R. Church, who wrote this excellent book. It's right behind you. The Prophecy in the Psalms, which has the coded hidden meaning, the deeper meaning of the Psalms revealed in every year from Psalm 1, which would be 1901, all the way to Psalm 17 and Psalm 39 through 45 and Psalm 48, all these things that pointed out 
what would happen in the world, and they were happening right on these years. And the reason we especially love this book and these sets of prophecies is because in 2021, it specifically says the song to ascent. We're in the 15 Psalms of the ascent, but in, in Psalm 121, representing 2021, it's, it's the only one that says the Psalm to ascent. And last year, which started the Psalms of the Ascent in 2020, Psalm 120 said, Deliver me from these lies. The whole world's a big lie. Okay, so, JR Church. Um, Grant Jeffrey, uh, our friend Gev T, has been featuring uh, some of uh, the early Grant Jeffrey's teachings from the past, and they are fantastic. And, um, well, I'll, I'll point things out as we go. And, of course, the, uh, the famous Dr. Chuck Missler. Now, the alive and remaining that have been working along this same line is uh, C.J. Lovick. Uh, we pointed out his channel on Rock Island Books uh, many times, and uh, he did a prophecy specifically uh, leading from the going forth of the decree to restore Jerusalem right to 2028. Uh, Dr. Ken Johnson, who wrote this incredible book, you see that? And um, he also uh, has some specific timelines. I don't know if you can see that from Cyrus Decree right to May 1948. You understand what, what we're revealing here is that the Bible never stopped. That this was, this was all planned and there was a specific time period given at these ancient events that leads us right to right now. Uh, Gefti, again, our uh, friend who has also put out some excellent videos that we've shared on our channel. The Sandman, uh, been at this for like 20 years now, and uh, had, had, he, he did such a great job of uh, inspiring me to study deeper and study through Hebrew and understanding the Hebrew numbers and letters and words and deeper meanings and studying these Moedim, these holy appointments with mankind. And then uh, our buddy S.R. Mo Monet, he pronounces it Monet. I pronounce it Monet, Money Monet, because he's on the money. And uh, he did an excellent series on um, the Vatican and the Catholic Church being the uh, whore of Babylon. And it's, it's fantastic. M one of my favorite parts was where he showed how they were in rule exactly 1260 years. And they had a mortal head wound and then they were restored in 19, I think, 39. And then last and least, Dr. Barry. Hey, I, I got some specific revelation. I, I was the one that, that found this, and I was so excited. I was on vacation. I was supposed to be vacationing, but vacation for me is 24-7 Bible. Hallelujah. And so I was uh, in study and prayer with God, and I, I was uh, asking him about what happened 1335 years ago, and started the construction of the Dome of the Rock, the abomination and desolation. And then I said, well, what happened 1260 years before that? Come to find out in 574, this is when God spoke to Nebuchadnezzar and said, you will go out into the wilderness and be a beast for seven years, representing the seven years of tribulation where a great beast will rise. And then you will be restored and your kingdom will be restored. And that's the remnant of the Jews being restored to their land after the seven years in 2028. So, again, 
right from the time God speaks about the end times, and in that book of Daniel, it says 1260 days and 1290 days, but blessed is he who comes to the 1335 days. Now, God has a prophecy rule in his Bible that sometimes days means years. He says a day for a year prophecy. So we went from the time he spoke that, the same book said 1260 and alluded to the abomination of desolation. Well, the Dome of the Rock is an abomination on a holy site that prevents the Jews from going up and building their temple and even prevents them from going up to worship. So they're stuck on that little side wall, which is not even a wall of the temple, and they're praying in total confusion. But that construction took seven years. Nebuchadnezzar became a beast for seven years, starting from this year and goes seven forward. This year started the construction, took seven years, brings us to 2021, starts tribulation, and will go seven years. God is perfect. Oh, uh, so I, I didn't want to leave off the rest of the... Mr. Bones! Mr. Bones! It's about time. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't have done it without this guy. Uh, you know... A lot of people say that we're almost like one mind, and uh, he inspires me. Oh, thank you, Dr. Barry. And of course, wife! Wife? What's my name? That's my beautiful wife running the camera. I couldn't have done any of it without her. So um, I just wanted to give thanks and recognition to everybody. This is not all my work, but uh, I've tried to put it together in an easy to understand form. Okay, so from Nebuchadnezzar, taking them captive in 606 BC, exactly 2520. Now that's seven years, seven times a prophetic year is 360 days. So our years, we go by 365. So that adds to some of our confusion. But seven times 360, so seven years, is 2520. So from Nebuchadnezzar taking them captive, Exactly 2,520 years later, on the 9th of Av, on the 9th of Av, World War I starts. Huh? 19 years later. Why 19? Because it had to be 19, because God is perfect. 19 years later, Nebuchadnezzar takes Jerusalem. So he had taken Israel captive, but he was letting Jerusalem stay. And then 19 years later, he gets the idea, hey, I think I want to go take that. So he takes it in 587 BC, as described in the book of Ezekiel. He takes it on the 9th of Av. Exactly 2,520 years later, in 1933, Hitler is appointed chancellor on the 9th of Av. You getting impressed yet? <laughs> 13 years after that, in 574, pay attention, 13, 574, God speaks from heaven. No, oh, Nebuchadnezzar. Your pride has cost you, and you will walk as a beast for seven years. Exactly 2,520 years later, in 1946, the Nuremberg Trials. The bad guy was punished. 1946, you may have seen it in our other videos. Uh, I may post a link in the, in the comments about uh, the JTV video explanation does the best, but in the book of Esther... The year 1946 is coded in Hebrew language, and Hitler had 10 henchmen. He actually had 11, okay? In the story of Esther, the one guy who raises up, his name is Haman. 
and he wants to annihilate all the Jews. And through Esther's work and faithfulness, she saves the Jewish nation. So Haman is hung on the gallows, and then his ten henchmen are hung. And Esther says, the king asks her, what will you have anything up to half my kingdom? And, he's, and she says, if it will please the king, hang his ten sons. And they were already dead. They were already hung. But she says, in the future, do it again. And now, Haman had a daughter who killed herself. So in 1946, Nuremberg trials, Hitler's ten henchmen, in the year prophesied in the book of Esther, got hung, but, but one committed suicide, and he was a cross-dresser. So he was like the daughter that committed suicide in the story of Esther. The details. God is into details. But do, does that impress you? This is our lifetime here. Well, at least here for some of us. But this is our generation, the end generation. And then it was prophesied, again, by the book of Psalms and the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy has a certain number of verses that match with what the Hebrews are counting as their years. So they are in the year right now, 5781. In October, they will turn it to 5782. In the year that Israel became a nation, it was the year 5708 for the Hebrews. The 5708th verse of the Torah, which is in Deuteronomy, literally talks about them going back into the land. From God speaking to Nebuchadnezzar, 1260 to the Dome of the Rock, and then this way, 1260 to 1946. I also have it over here. 1290 brings us to 1976. That's some uh, heavy stuff about uh, the Jews and currency and gold and stuff like that. But one of the biggest things is that spirit of 76. And it was a real turning point, the 70s in, in uh, uh, America, from a Christian nation to like a rebellious nation. And then 1335 bringing us to 2021. So here's the thing I noticed that I didn't notice before. From 606 to 537 is when they were set free. Okay, that was 70 years. Now, from the time of the decree to restore Jerusalem was 80 years. The generation of man is 70. Or it's 80, but if it's 80, it's because of rebellion. We're going to go over to our next chart right now, and uh, I'm going to explain a little more about what I mean. Okay, so, you okay, Mr. Bones? Um, I'm kind of off camera. Don't worry, you're still in in his contract okay so uh can you read this okay okay good so from 606 bc nebuchadnezzar takes israel captive to babylon now he didn't tell them how long they were going to be in babylon okay and in in daniel he had been reading the prophets ezekiel and jeremiah and he knew it would be 70 years and so he says in his book i knew i daniel knew by the books that the time of the release of Israel was near. He didn't know exactly when it was, but he knew 70 years was up. So he was looking and watching and praying and guessing the date. He didn't know exactly, he just knew this was the time. It's exactly what we're doing right now, okay? Nebuchadnezzar means protect my eldest son. Protect my eldest son. So that could refer to Israel or to Jesus, actually. But at 70 years in 537 BC, Cyrus, K 
King Cyrus sets Israel free to return to the Promised Land. Cyrus means heir. It also means Lord in the form of like enthroned. And it, it, in Latin, it means son, S-U-N. So again, speaking of Jesus. And he sets Israel free to return to the Promised Land. And we'll see that this prophecy goes right to them returning to the Promised Land. Very interesting. And then uh, uh, this last name, Artaxerxes, means the Lion King. What? He was a cartoon? <laughs> Satan's always trying to copy Jesus. So everything he's made is some form or copy or derangement of Jesus. Okay, so Cyrus sets Israel free to return to the Promised Land. And he, here's what happens. He says, you're free, go back. They were in Babylon. They'd been there for 70 years. Many of them had grown quite comfortable, adapted, and assimilated assimilated. God's people are not supposed to assimilate to this world, especially Babylon, which is like the worst of it. Babylon and Egypt represent this world right now. So they had assimilated. They didn't want to go back. In fact, most of them didn't. Only a small portion of the Jews, like 500,000, actually returned to Israel. So God's word says, I need a a little help from Ken Johnson's book. So, Ezekiel had gotten a prophecy. Lie on your side for 390 days, and that'll be a day for a year of the punishment of Israel. Then lie on your other side for 40. And so that was a total of 430 years. 70 of that punishment was taken up in Babylon. So when you take 70 from 430, you get 360. So there's 360 years left on their sentence where they should be punished. God said, this is, this is a law of God in Leviticus 26, 26, 14 through 18. But if you do not obey me, this is a big but, if you do not obey me and do not carry out all these commandments, if instead you reject my statutes, if your soul abhors my ordinances so that as not to carry out all my commandments and so break my covenant, his everlasting covenant of return to the land, I will set my face against you so that you will be struck down before your enemies and those who hate you will rule over you and you will flee when no one is pursuing. If after all these things you do not obey me, then I will punish you seven times more for your sins. So God gave him that 430 and at 70 he orders a release and if they all would have went it would have been a different outcome but since they didn't obey he multiplied that 360 leftover years times seven now seven times 360 is 2520 so what we've done in order to get to an exact year we have to convert those prophetic 360 day years to 365s it's a very complicated process i will show you right here ken johnson did a great job on this so you take 360 times 7 equals 2520 2520 times 360 equals 907 200 there was a typo right there then drop down to the next yellow, 907, to, again, that should be 907-200. Days on the modern calendar uh, gets converted to 2483, and then some extra days. So anyways, that, that's how complicated it is. You've got you to turn it 
into prophetic years in, in number of days, and then you convert it back and divide it into uh, the 365 years. So there's your seven times. So again, from this decree, 537, we go exactly 2520 times 360, which is 907,200 days, brings us to 1948. In fact, they, they have estimated, I think I showed this earlier. Where is it? There we go. August 3rd, 537 BC, 907,000. There you see it corrected, 200. Brings us exactly to May 14th. Sometimes there's a little discrepancy, and that's because of converting from God's calendar of Nisan and the month of Av and Tishri to August and June. and those kind of, There's a little discrepancy, but we know that we're on track with these years. Okay, So, Cyrus, Lord, the Son, sets them free to return to the Promised Land. They disobey. So, it's extended... 25, 20 times 360 to bring us exactly to 1948. Now, generation of a man is 70 years. But if by disobedience, it's 80 years and it's trouble and toil, and then it all ends, and then they fly away. That 80 years, 70 plus 80 is 150. God's prophetic number of judgment is 15. And multiples of that, like 1,500 and 15,000. So, with the flood... The flood waters grew on the earth for 150 days, and then they ass-wagged for 150 days for a total of 300. 300 is God's other prophetic number of judgment. 300, 3,000, 30, 30 pieces of silver, etc. So here's your 150. You all thought it was just a coincidence. Oh, time was just going by, but it's indiscutable indescript or anything. There's no reason to count them or anything, but the Bible says, teach us to number our days. So exactly 80 years because of rebellion later, Artaxerxes, where's my, shing! Artaxerxes decrees to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. Now, at the end of the Great Tribulation, after the world's been dispersed, the Jews are in hiding and in protection, the world's being destroyed. We will return with Jesus as an army in 2028, September to be exact. September 21st will be the Feast of Trumpets and the 30th will be the Day of Atonement. So from September 21st through the 30th, 2028, that will end the seven-year period of the Great Tribulation, but it won't end the period of time that Jesus Christ will represent David being the ruler over Judah for seven years and six months. So if he takes us a little early, which he will, then add the seven years and then there'll be some time afterwards where he'll bring down the temple at Hanukkah. And then there'll be some more time before he is crowned king over all of Israel. And that period of time will be from the rapture until seven years and six months. A little more information than some of you needed, but 2028 is when we're coming back. Now, 457 BC, after 70 years, after 80 years, Artaxerxes makes this decree, the same number, 2520 times 360 equals 907200. That's the end of the tribulation. And Israel, as it says in Psalm 90, 
generation is 70 to 80. And at 80, we all fly away. And we're going to go over our 80s. Can you see this up here? Let's go over these again real quick. Can you, can you see it? Got us? Okay, so here's our 80-year prophecies and typologies which, which show that Jesus will fulfill these typologies again. Remember, he says in Ecclesiastes, that which has been done will be done again. There's no new thing under the sun. There isn't a prophecy of 81 years or of 82 or 83. So 80 years is our prophecy that must be redone. Now let's show how God told us it would be 80 years also. He sent Moses at 80 years old to free his people. He sent Joseph for 80 years to rule over in Egypt. He ruled over all the world for 80 years. Boaz at 80 years old married Ruth. David at 80 years was the time of the true king. So Solomon, or, or I'm sorry, uh, Saul was king for the first 40 years. That's the bad king. Then David, the true king, was uh, king for 40 years. So at the end of 80 years was that time of that true king. And then Solomon, which would reign from the, after the 80 years to the 120, he represents the man of peace, Shalom man. And he also is a typology of the Antichrist. So after we leave, representing the 80, then the Antichrist will come up and... Uh, the first thing that Solomon did, the first miracle, was try to cut the baby in half. That's going to represent dividing Israel in half and breaking the everlasting covenant of God. Okay? Jerusalem, 80 years from flee, from being freed to Aliyah. 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 That means the great return back to uh, Jerusalem. That's this one over here. So after 80 years, of they were freed, and then after... Can you see it? And they were freed, and then after 80 years, they actually made the return. So, um, Jesus came in the 80th Jubilee. Not the 79th, not the 81st. He came in the 80th Jubilee to do all of this, everything. Psalm 90 is a prophecy about 80 years. Israel will be 80 years when we return, and Jesus will play the part of Artaxerxes, the Lion King, to restore his land, his Jerusalem, and he will rule from Jerusalem, heavenly Jerusalem on earth, and he will restore the temple. So everything is fitting exactly with what he said. So Israel will know the true king, David. They'll be free. They will aliyah, come, everybody come back to the promised land. They'll be married. They'll rule. They'll reign and rest with Jesus for a thousand years. So Back over here to Artaxerxes. Can you see it? You want to back up a little bit? So Artaxerxes, we've all seen the picture. I'll, I'll post it here. Of Artaxerxes making the decree. But <laughs> here's what I recently found out. Uh, and this was from Grant Jeffrey. Grant Jeffrey. Uh, he he uh, showed that Artaxerxes, I can't believe this detail was left out. I mean, it, it, it's something that can be looked up and verified. But he was the son of Xerxes, which is also known as Ahasuerus. 
Ahasuerus is the one that married Esther. So Ahasuerus, he, he represents the king, Jesus, right? And he has a bride, a queen named Vashti, which means best and most beautiful. And he calls Vashti to come out and show herself, like God called Israel, come out and show yourself. But Vashti refused. She didn't want to. So she got fired as being the queen. And then the, the uh, Lord uh, holds a great beauty pageant to, to find the most pure of the young virgins of the land. And Esther, she was the only one that didn't want to be all fixed up and pretty up. She just wanted what Haggai, the, the, the king's chamberman, chamberlain, what he recommended. Well, his name, Haggai, means the word of God. So Esther just wanted to be clothed with the word of God. Isn't that beautiful? So Esther then becomes queen. Their son is Artaxerxes. Artax is like son of, and then Xerxes. And so Ahasuerus' other name was Xerxes I. So he's the son of Xerxes and Esther, a Jewish bride, right? A Jewish queen. And so... It, that's not all. <laughs> his cupbearer, his royal cupbearer, which a cupbearer is more than just a guy that just like water boy. This is an advisor, like a butler, the butler who brought the cup to Pharaoh. So he's also an advisor. Guess who it was? Come on, come on, you can guess. <laughs> I'm joking. Nobody could ever guess it. Nehemiah, right? So in the book of Ezra and Nehemiah talks about the restoration and the people coming back and starting to build the next temple. So I just thought that was uh, pretty amazing. So you might wonder, okay, you got Israel coming back to the land. You got Jesus coming back at the end of tribulation. But what about the rapture? Where's the rapture? Esther is the story of the rapture. And you would have to have been with us for a long time to, uh, to get this part. Let me see if I can find it real quick. So I, I did this teaching like a whole year and a couple months ago. But um, Esther was brought in before Ahasuerus. And Ahasuerus, again, which is Xerxes I, he was throwing a 180-day feast, a six-month feast. And uh, he was showing everybody his kingdom for 180 days. That's some party, huh? So they just went all over the land showing, his, showing off his kingdom. So when we get raptured, I think the first six months is God's going to be showing us the whole universe and everything that we have inherited under him. And then after that, he throws a seven-day feast. All this revolves around Esther. So there is your rapture typology is Esther being brought the young virgin that clothed in the word being brought to the king. And the king says, here's my kingdom for seven. Of course, it says seven days, but it's a seven year. And then the six month party. Okay. So um, again, there, there's nothing random in this Bible. Um, the rapture has not been delayed. There is no delay, okay? God's not extending time because people down here prayed or anything like that. The rapture, this is kind of hard for some people to understand, but the first destruction of the world was set in stone in God's mind before he created the world. And the second destruction, one would be by water and the next by fire. So the seven-year tribulation was set it would start with the rapture of his bride being taken out of his side, just like Eve was taken out of Adam's side. That was the first rapture. 
Actually, the first rapture was God bringing Adam from the dust of the ground and then breathing into his nostrils. We will be brought from the dust of this world and this dusty old body to him and he will breathe the true full power Holy Spirit into us and we'll be supernatural forever. But then Eve also was taken from Adam's side and when Jesus was pierced, blood and water came out representing all the people paid for by his blood. So the rapture is, is not something that can happen on a random day. It was set at an appointed time and then God told us the rapture, my coming for the bride will be at the appointed time. Then he told us his appointed times. And he said, these pointed times are dress rehearsals. They're called mikra, which means holy dress rehearsals. Uh, uh, the word for appointment with mankind is moed or moedim in plural. But it means appointments with mankind. Holy dress rehearsals. Holy dress rehearsals, Batman. This is what we have been practicing for. So if we don't get raptured here, we're going to look at the holy dress rehearsal of the Feast of Trumpets. Everybody loves that one because we know at the last trump, we'll be snatched up, right? Well, there's going to be a last trump at the end of the tribulation in 2028. So we think that's when that's going to be fulfilled. He'll come back at Feast of Trumpets, and then all the final destruction will happen during the seven days, and then the final Day of Atonement will set the final judgment, and then we'll tabernacle with Jesus and with the Jews, that remnant that was saved, and then we'll rebuild the earth and rule for a thousand years. Okay? So, I can't say it enough times. Rapture is an appointed time that was set before the beginning. God didn't leave us hanging. He didn't say, well, the Bible was an old timey ago, and now we're just in uh, a random time that could go on forever. Oh, rapture could be tomorrow or a hundred years from now. No, it can't. Rapture has to be at an appointed time to fulfill God's holy prophecy because he said it would. You know, Satan has been trying to ruin God's prophecies since the beginning. He's been doing everything to mess up God's prophecies because if he can prove him wrong just one time, then he can rule over and he can lord over him. So when God said, behold, I have told you before it comes to happen, so that when it comes to happen, you will know that I am, that he is God, that he is yud Hey vav Hey, hand of grace, behold, nailed in grace, behold. He is coming at an appointed time. We believe with all of our understanding that he has led us by the Holy Spirit. Of course, you know, I gave thanks to the humans that, that uh, are, are, we're working with, but you know, true thanks, all of us, every single one of us would agree, goes to the Holy Spirit, to our Lord, to our beloved who said, I will not leave you. He says in Revelation 3, 3, 3, because you have kept the word of my patience, I will keep you from the hour of temptation coming upon all the world. So I want to leave you with this, but I need a breath. <laughs> so cut. <laughs> Oh, you're telling me yes, Sorry. I can? Okay. <laughs> what? This is easy to understand, right? What part of this do you not understand? Okay, I hope I'm making it simpler than this calculation. But uh, again, God didn't leave us high and dry. Just, well, all this happened in the past and you just got to figure it out. No, he gave us an exact count from these prophecies, very specifically written in the Word. And then the, the numbers of time period. Whenever God t kicks them out of the land, he always tells when he'll bring them back. 
and he gave us exactly 2520 times 360. That's the number of days, but that is seven times. He says, I will punish you seven times. Did I read that line? Mm -hmm. I think I did. You did. Okay, so um, we're gonna talk about Noah real quick. And uh, this is really cool. I think you guys are gonna like this. So we know that we're talking about being raptured in this feast of wine. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, so that could mean that the 50th day came, they celebrated for 14 days, and it was fully come. That, that's the beauty of the story. It does not nail us down to one time period, but, but rather a, a, a period of time that is over the course of a couple of weeks. So when the day of Pentecost had fully come, featured in this feast of new wine, they came out, they were prophesying in every different language, evangelizing around the world like the 144,000 witnesses will, the same thing will happen. The Spirit will drop on the 144,000 witnesses, and the two witnesses will drop, and they will evangelize in every language to every nation and every different place around the world in every language. And that is what is foretold in the Bible, that the end, the, end, the true end, won't come until the gospel's been preached everywhere. That's including the seven years. Not now. People have said, oh, we can't get raptured because the gospel hasn't been everywhere. Well, first of all, it really has because of the internet. And then second of all, it's going to include the tribulation. And that will take supernatural. There'll be angels, there'll be the two witnesses and 144,000 witnesses. Okay, they need to get that spirit. Spirit drops on Pentecost, good time, right? And then they were accused of drinking new wine. So do you remember another story where someone was accused of drinking wine, right? The story of Noah. So after Noah has this typology of rapture and being carried through the tribulation and releasing the Holy Spirit and releasing Satan, then on the first day of the first month in, in, is what it says, but that's the first day of the seventh month because Noah's story is flipped by six months. Too big of a teaching. You just learn it. But um, that's the Feast of Trumpets. And when Noah looked out, the earth was dry. In other words, all the waters were gone and waters represent people. So he looked out on that dry land and he started over. So Noah representing an eight, a new beginning. He comes out, he plants a vineyard, just like the Lord God in the gospels. He said he planted a vineyard and then Noah became drunk and he passed out. And then this sin that nobody really knows. And it's just a shame because we taught on this before. In fact, I didn't, I didn't completely teach. This is before, this is when I trusted too much that people would just follow what I explained to them. And uh, so I said, hey, if you want to know what Ham's sin really was, just go to Leviticus 2020. I don't think anybody did. So, okay, so this time I'm going to read it to you, okay? So, you're going to love this when I wrap it all together. So Noah plants a vineyard, just like God planted a vineyard, and he sent people to work it, and he came to drink of the wine thereof, just like the Pharaoh drinking the wine. Jesus says, drink of this wine. I won't drink again till I drink it new with you. Okay, so Noah passes out. The sin that Ham, everybody's like, oh, Ham saw his dad naked. That's not a big deal, folks. That is not worth cursing his entire lineage uh, overseeing him naked. You know, they were on a boat together. Um, 
you know, back in those days, guys seeing other guys naked, I mean, they all crapped in a, on a big, long cement trough. And, and, you know, seeing each other naked, that wasn't that big a deal, okay? That was not the ultimate sin. And God wrote what the sin is. So Leviticus 20, 20, and 20, 21. Hmm, isn't that interesting? <laughs> 2020 20, and 2021 20, is when we find out about the sin of Ham. So God is explaining all the laws and all the details, and this is one specific one. If a man shall lie with his uncle's wife, he hath uncovered his uncle's nakedness. They shall bear their sin, they shall die childless. And if a man shall take his brother's wife, it is an unclean thing. He hath uncovered his brother's nakedness. Okay, so when the person sleeps with their own relative, that's uncovering the guy's nakedness. Okay, so Noah got drunk, he's passed out, Ham went in and had conquest with Noah's wife. Now, it is not explained specifically that this woman was also Ham's mother. It's quite possible Noah had three kids from three different women. That was a thing that was kind of common, as you know. So uh, I'm, not, I'm not dogmatic about that, and that doesn't really matter. But that's what Ham did. He had sexual relations with that woman. Um, I'm <laughs> Any resemblance to a former president is purely coincidental. But he had sexual relations with that woman, and he impregnated her. So when Noah woke up and found out this had happened, the two brothers, they went in backwards because seeing their mother naked or, or Noah's wife naked, that was bad. So they went in backwards to cover her because she had been raped. Okay? So that is the truth. And so she was pregnant. So Ham did this to take over. He was usurping the authority. So when if he takes... Noah's wife and has child, then, you know, he becomes, it's like, uh, you know, in the lion tribes, you know, when they, they uh, whoever's the top one gets to uh, do the mating. So that was his attempt. So that's why Noah cursed the lineage that would come from his wife and his son Ham. And that was Canaan. So he cursed Canaan. Okay? So that was the sin. Now, let's bring it back to Jesus. Jesus says, I won't drink of this wine again. I desire to so badly, but I won't drink it again with you until I drink it with you anew in the kingdom of God. So he says, I'm not going to drink wine until I drink it in heaven. At the end of the tribulation, we all come back with Jesus. And then the Jews are gathered from the four corners of the earth, gathered into one place. And we tabernacle together and live for a thousand years. They don't go to the kingdom of heaven to have that drink of wine. The first thing that's going to happen when we get raptured at the Feast of Wine, Jesus is going to have that wine with us, drink it with us at the marriage supper of the Lamb, and we're going to get married. And he is going to be drunk on love like the Song of Solomon, truly intoxicated with the best wine. You have saved the best wine for last, his first miracle, turning the six water pots, 6,000 years, from water, people, into wine and he will drink of it the symbolism is so rich but he will be drunk with happiness right we are caused to forget that's the name of one of joseph's sons and the meaning of the christian church so what will happen down here on earth the antichrist ham 
will have sexual conquest with Israel. Ha! <laughs> Hallelujah! I love the Bible. Don't you love the Bible? Aren't you glad you got to learn that? Mr. Bones, are you glad you got to learn that? I am blown away and a little disgusted. Yes, you should be. That's kind of a rough story. And that's why God left it for those who diligently seek and become mature in his word and can handle such things. So I hope I didn't offend anybody or scare anybody. Um, but uh, the end of the world is here. The Bible tells us it's an exact timeline. God said, I and Jesus are one. He is God the Spirit, Jesus Christ, he, God, God the Spirit is the Father, but He represents the soul. Jesus Christ is God the Son, He represents God the flesh, and then the Holy Spirit is God the Holy Spirit. So, body, soul, and spirit. Um, God was the only one that could separate Himself in those three separate. So there are three separate entities that can exist separately and in separate places, but they can also exist as one. And that is part of how our rapture happens when the Spirit comes back to him. So remember, tell your friends, tell everybody. You know God's name is Jehovah or Yahweh, right? Well, Yahweh means hand of grace nailed in grace. Hand of grace behold, nailed in grace behold. I and the Father are one, Yahweh. Jesus Christ is Lord. He is your Savior. He paid for you. The only thing you have to do to be saved is hear the story explained to you in truth. Understand that story. Examine your heart. Decide, do I want him to pay for me or do I want to work my own way for what I get? My goodness being gooder than I am badder and if I'm gooder, then I deserve heaven at the end. That's not the way it works. You are left behind, if you've stuck with us this long, those that are left behind, then it's not because you were bad. It's not because you weren't good enough. It was for one reason, the rejection of the free gift of Jesus Christ as payment for your sins and atoning blood to restore the Spirit of God in you and that Holy Spirit is what can go to heaven. Without the Holy Spirit, no man can be brought into heaven. Okay? So uh, I hope I kept this short enough that we can save it up real quick and get it out to you uh, as fast as possible. But um, I, think, I think this is just so beautiful and amazing. And hold on, what? So the holy name of yud heh vav heh Yahweh, is in the Bible over 7,000 times, but it has been translated to the Lord. It was never supposed to be translated, but just like the Jews got furious when they saw yud heh vav heh above Jesus Christ, the people that had influence into the word of God also commanded that that holy name be taken out. Yahweh. The original Hebrew scripture says yud Hey vav Hey, But for the King James and every uh, translation after that, it was changed to the Lord. So when you hear this name and especially understand it means hand of grace, behold, nailed in grace, behold, then you can see the salvation picture so easy that just by reading the Bible, you could be saved. 
So I just want to give you an example of that in Psalm 27, which is one of the most beautiful psalms. If you ever wanted to memorize a psalm, this is the one. And you've got a few days. The secret to memorization is repetition. Just read it over and over and over and over and over, and it will start to sink in. It's, it's not by you know, thinking and calculating and mnemonic devices, it's repetition. So just live in the Word. So Psalm 27 is one of my favorites. I memorized it years ago, and it has brought comfort and joy to my heart and, and peace, a peace that surpasses knowledge. Now, I want to expound on it a little bit. And so I may uh, stumble on the, on the memory of it. You know, it's like when you're singing a song, if somebody stops you in the middle and then you answer a question and you're like, okay, where was I? And then you got to start back. So that might happen. Please forgive me. It's one of my favorites, but I want to explain it to you. Okay. So it starts out now where it says the Lord, I'm going to change it to Yahweh. And you're going to remember every time I say Yahweh, you're going to remember a hand of grace nailed in grace. Okay. So Yahweh is my light and my salvation. Now the word salvation in Hebrew is Yeshua. It's Yeshua. So Yahweh, hand of grace, nailed in grace, is my light. What's the light of the world? The Holy Spirit is Jesus, it's the Holy Spirit. Yahweh is my Holy Spirit and my Jesus. That's just the first line. <laughs> Yahweh. Yud, hey, vav, hey, hand of grace, behold, nailed in grace, behold, is my light, my Holy Spirit, and my salvation, my Jesus. Whom shall I fear? Yahweh is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, and these fallen angel demons actually do eat people, just like in the movies. When my enemies and my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host, an evil spirit, should encamp against me, and now I'm pointing way off because when you are filled with the Holy Spirit and you trust in the Lord and you use his word as armor and a shield, then that demon can't get very close. So though an host may encamp against me, way off, about a thousand miles, my heart shall not fear. Though war shall rise against me with this thing and the thing and the thing, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Yahweh, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of Yahweh all the days of my life, the heavenly house and then back here, all the days of my life, to behold, and whenever I said that, I, I opened the word, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple, his temple, to inquire in his temple, his word, his heart written for you, to inquire in his temple. Line. <laughs> For in, the time for in the time of trouble, Jacob's trouble, for in the time of trouble, the great tribulation, for in the time of trouble, he shall hide me and mine and thee. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle, he shall hide us. He shall set us up upon a rock. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about. 
Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto Yahweh. Hear, Yahweh, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and hear my prayer. When thou saidest, seek ye my face, again, opening the word, seeking his face. When thou saidest, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Yahweh, will I seek with my whole heart and my whole mind and my whole soul and all my strength and everything that is within me. I will seek your face. Hide not thy face far from me, neither puttest away thy servant in anger. Thou hast been my help, leavest me not, neither forsake me. O God of my salvation, and with God it should be Elohim. O Elohim, plural God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. O Elohim of my Jesus, my Yeshua, my salvation. <laughs> leavest me not, neither forsake me. O Elohim of my Yeshua, of my Jesus. Line. When my father and my mother. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord Yahweh will take me up. Teach me thy way, Yahweh, and lead me on a plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. Liars have risen up, telling lies about me breathing out cruel words about me, Father. False witnesses have risen against me and such as breathe out cruelty. Don't leave me. Wait upon the Lord. Wait upon Yahweh. Watch and wait. The word wait is kava. It has the meaning of three twines being intertwined. So us and the Word of God and the Holy Spirit wait Kaveh, Yahweh, Kaveh upon Yahweh, <laughs> wait upon the Yahweh, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Actually, when you are intertwined with the word of God, his promise, and his Holy Spirit, then he is the strength of your heart. Wait upon Yahweh and be of good courage. Intertwine yourself with him, and he shall be the strength of thine heart. Wait, I say, intertwine thyself, I say, upon Yahweh. Yud, hey, vav, hey. Just that one song, just that one true translation. There's the gospel. There's the pre-tribulation rapture. There's the love of God. The true gospel, the word gospel is a Hebrew word that means good news. In fact, news so good you can't believe it's true. All your sins, all of your iniquity, all of your badness is wiped clean by the blood atonement of Jesus Christ. All you have to do is to believe in him, to hear. It says, by the foolishness of preaching, by the word going forth were men's hearts saved. When you hear the message, and this place was named Earth for a reason, and the full ear, the fear of the Lord, is what brings salvation. When you hear, because you're thinking, sin bad, I'm getting bad. Do good, make up for bad. That's what you're thinking. And he says, repent. Meta noye. Meta, you know, means change. Noye, knowing. Change your knowing. Change your understanding. Turn about. Turn back to him. 
change your view of do bad, get bad, do good, get good, to you are nothing, you are empty, you are unable. You cannot pay the debt that need to be paid. But Jesus Christ freely and willingly went to the cross and did that for all of us. And anybody can be saved by hearing this message and then rethinking, repenting, and then saying, I, I, I believe you and I trust you. You're going to pay for my badness? As I look inside, I really do see some bad. I accept your free gift. You are now saved. If you hold that in your heart, he is God and he saved you. When you are truly saved by the true knowledge that has gotten into your heart, it won't go away ever. Then you are truly saved and sealed by that Holy Spirit till the day of redemption, which is the rapture. If you don't understand the truth, that's how you can walk away from it. And Satan has done such a masterful job. Remember, he's been here since the beginning. He was in the garden with Adam and Eve. And he can trick Adam and Eve in a great situation into giving up their great situation. If Adam and Eve had known the full story and that an enemy would come, they would have been ready. But that was part of this whole grand plan. But you now know there will be many false Christs coming up and they will have their way and they will offer you something other than yud Hey vav Hey is my Yeshua, my Jesus. When the true Jesus comes at the end of the tribulation, he says, if, if someone says the Messiah is out in the desert or the Messiah is out in the wilderness, don't believe him. He said that right in the book. P plan on that happening. He says, when I come, it's going to be like lightning from the sky and every eye will see. Okay, he's coming with the army of us. So I could go on and on. There's so much more to teach. I always, when I'm getting ready to do a video, I want to do a real quick, short video and get it out. And I go on and on, not, not just to waste time, but because there's so much and there is so much more. I just want to read one thing uh, that I had. Uh, where's my notebook? Here we go. This, this is just really cool. I, I, again, I could do a, a couple hour teaching on the Jubilees, but a Jubilee is a period of 50 years. And again, this is just more testament of God's keeping time and keeping track of time and everything happens at a specific time. So just a little bit from the Jubilees, Adam was born in the first Jubilee. Seth, which was his son after Cain killed Abel, Seth came in the third Jubilee. Enosh, which means mortal, came in the fourth Jubilee. Jesus came as man, fully God, but fully man in the fourth Canaan, which means sorrow and weakness, he came in the sixth jubilee. Mahalel, is, which means the blessed God, he came in the seventh jubilee. That's why these guys, they were, they were living hundreds and hundreds of years, and so each generation was sometimes 50 or 70 or 100 years apart from each other. Yerad, which means shall descend or shall come down, also from the word Jordan, the great descent, Yarad means what it was in the ninth jubilee, which represents a type of judgment. Enoch was in the twelfth. Enoch is, means dedicated or Hanukkah and speaks of the Jewish nation. Methuselah, which means his death shall bring. Methuselah came in the thirteenth jubilee. You think, you think these things are coincidence, but they're not. They're all specific. That's how God works with his numbers. Um, 
let me see. Noah, I, I misspoke on, on one of my videos in the past. I said that Noah came in the, in the eighth and the judgment was in the ninth. I was thinking of, of something else. But Noah came. And remember, Noah's representing grace. His name backwards is grace. And he's representing God. He's representing Jesus, saving seven. Noah came in the 21st Jubilee. 21 is the number of God. Three sevens. Then the flood happened in the 33rd Jubilee. 33 is one of, you know, it's a notoriously number of judgment and number of doom. And that's why the Illuminati and Satan's church loves the number 33. Uh, and then uh, Abraham, the covenant with Abraham was at in the 40th Jubilee. And then one last one, you might be saying, because Jesus came in the 80th Jubilee. And we're, we're in the 73rd year of Israel and we're expected to leave. And then the great tribulation to start during the 73rd year of Israel. In the 73rd Jubilee, it was the year 333 BC. Guess what happened? Alexander the Great came to power and conquered the world. There you go, folks. God is a God of numbers. Hallelujah. Okay, see you on the flip-flop. No, 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 wait, wait. I, I love this. Uh, I think this came from Brother Chooch. See you here, there, or in the air. Hallelujah. This summer, one man will fight against all odds. You know the day and the hour of our Savior's rescue and the rapture of his bride. That man is. Hey, is the man who lives the life of danger. Danger. Compared to other watchmen, he's much stranger. Stranger. But gotta feel this very flame. Right there in the book of things. I die. We won't be here.
trust our Lord above to be faithful. Secret servant man, secret servant man, God has given us a Bible.